Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Maniac. Today we'll be covering the first and second episode from Maniac titled The Chosen One and Windmills. What a couple of crazy episodes and what an introduction to the series, yeah. huh? Yeah, so what are your like top level <laughs> thoughts on this? Um, top level thoughts. I, I think it's trippy, a mm. little wacky. I love the uh, psychology part of it all. I'm fascinated, so I'm digging it so far in the first two. What are your thoughts initially? S- same boat. Uh, watching the first episode, I kind of like was into it. It was it went by pretty quick, but I was kind of like, like this. I'm kind of glad we decided to do the first and second episode because mm-hmm. after watching the first episode, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I'm not really sure where this is going. But the second mm-hmm. episode really kind of helps solidify. Like this feels like it's going to be a really good like binge type of show uh but again we're only doing it like week by week but at least we're going to be kind of knocking out two in a week so um i really dug it i'm in the same boat i love like the the um kind of psychology of it and everything like that and it's i feel like we're going to get a lot of okay what's real what's not (laughs) Uh, yeah i'm really into that so i'm really excited to see what else you think about this uh these first two episodes yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. And I, I agree. I, I like that we're doing like two at a time, especially like for these first two, because these two, you see how they, you know, kind of come together. Mm-hmm. We see some things come together. So I'm, I'm excited that, that we, we did that. Some things kind of made some, some sense watching these two together. Um, so I, I, it really, I know you haven't watched Legion yet. I'm going to keep pushing you and keep pushing you to make sure that you watch that show because this, this, it, it, there's a lot of, I think some similar elements. So I'm super excited to, to get into that. But before we jump into our top five for these two episodes, I just want to say good to see you again, man. I know. I it's just, nice to see you. <laughs> I saw you this weekend. We got to hang out for people who maybe don't follow us on social media, but maybe listen to our show. We got to meet for the first time this weekend. Yep. I don't know if a lot of people know we, we do this over Skype. So we see each other through the, the cameras, but it was the very first time that we actually got to hang out. And yeah. uh, as we, we met, uh, so we went to a show, uh, a concert. And before we met, you know, we both got there pretty early. And so we just, the people, the person we were standing with, we decided that we were going to go to this Hispanic festival that was going on. So I'm checking my phone like every few minutes when you say you're on your way. Cause I, <laughs> cause that's the one thing I always like whenever you text somebody like, Hey, I'm here. Where are you? And you're like this big open area. So you always kind of feel lost. I know. So the, my wife and uh, her friend were like, well, let's go grab some drinks. And as we're walking down there, we're looking at a margarita bar. We're looking at a beer garden. And I'm like, do I want a margarita or a beer? And I look over and I'm like, oh, there's Rima. I just start waving. Uh, so we met. We got to find each other at a margarita bar, basically. I know. I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to look for Sean. Cause I, and I, po- I posted it on our Insta stories on our um, Instagram page for anybody that might have caught that as I'm walking through the crowds. Like, okay, I'm looking for Sean. Where's he at? Where's he at? And I'm thinking, I'm never going to find him in this crowd. And I thought, well, while I'm looking for him in this crowd, I'm going to get a margarita while I'm at it. And that way I can enjoy the search. And like you said, I turn around and I look and I was like, Oh my God, that's Sean standing like three people behind me. I'm like, dude, right here. 
<laughs> that was so awesome. So super cool to finally meet in person. Mm-hmm. Your wife is even more amazing um, in person. I've met her over Skype as well, but meeting in person was was super cool. She's super chill and laid back and as awesome as I knew she'd be. And not only did we get to hang out at this Hispanic festival, but we also got a super cool concert we did. that we went to later. Um, super fun because we do share a love of music. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we have some like... Um, uh, common bands that we love. So that was super fun. Yep. We'll have to plan another one here in the next year. Or so if there's a band coming pretty close to one of us, cause that was, a, like I said, it was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. It's super cool to finally meet in person because we get along so, so well. And then like to share an experience like a concert with, with good friends is like the best time ever. So that was super fun. I hope to do it again soon. And it was super cool cause it come around <laughs> We we had our one year anniversary, Sean. Yeah, that's we true. Just, yeah, we, we just kind of, kind of let it go by. <laughs> so I think it's like September eighth, ninth, somewhere in there is like uh, when we had our first show. So yeah, uh, we been just doing this thing for over a year. I know. Happy anniversary, buddy! Happy anniversary. Nice. Well, that was super fun. Um, we will stop boring you folks with our little reunion uh, chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we appreciate you indulging us because that was super fun. And I wanted to take a moment to just talk about it because um, that just solidifies our podcasting friendship and, and our awesome chemistry. So with that being said, we're going to jump into our top five for Maniac. Just a reminder, folks, as Sean said, we are going to be talking about the first and second episodes um, of season one of Maniac. So if you have not seen both, um, you might want to turn around now. Mm. So you have been warned for the last time. So my top five, I'm just going to start off. um, I'm curious to see what you think about the time setting. What did you think, like what time we were in? Because to me, it was kind of 80s-ish but not. Yeah. What, so what did you think? This is actually kind of, this goes into my number two. So maybe just like this, like these two episodes will kind of like, we'll start in different spots, but we'll kind of come together in the end. Yes. Um, but I think this is like a future world. Um, but again, I said the same thing. It feels like it's a future world, but it's in the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. all the computers are 80 style, you know, the phones are eighties. The, the outfits seem kind of timeless. They seem kind of like could be eighties, nineties, could be kind of a, a retro comeback. Um, it, but there's a lot of different things that seem, I actually, you know what, this feels like a movie about the future made in the eighties. I think that's yes. the best way to explain it. That's a perfect description. What I read on the internet, a term for this is it's called retro futuristic. It's okay. kind of like what people in the sixties thought the future was going to look like. So there's like some 80s style type logos, like the Maniac's own logo and even, um, oh shoot, what's the name of that drug company that they're at where they're doing the trials? Their logo looks like the IBM logo mm-hmm. of like the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 they're in New York, but it almost seems slightly dystopian. Uh, I got that just a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought that was super cool. I liked it. I liked that we didn't quite know where we were at mm-hmm. or when. Um, I feel like it's kind of like our world, but not at the same time. It's like there's references, you know, to, like there's Don Quixote and there's other references if you're if you're picking up on them as you're watching. So I feel like it's 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 kind of our world, but not. So I just found found that to be really interesting. Yeah, I like that they kind of did that because it, it's kind of like it's uh, there's there's movies out there and stuff that do like alternate timelines. Mm-hmm. So you can see this being like some type of alternate timeline, maybe. Um, 
but yeah, like you have, there's like a Pepsi, but the Pepsi didn't seem like the old logo. It just seemed different. So it kind of like, just seemed like this is what future Pepsi will look like. (laughs) Um, but, but I mean, there's a lot of different future gadgets because there's the, the dog pooper, the dog, (laughs) you know, the shit, the dog poop eater, whatever they called (laughs) it. Um, so you have that thing running around. Um, it looks like Annie's dad lives in either his consciousness is in this computer thing or he's like inside it just like hanging out. I can't quite tell about that one. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of lot of different cool things that make you feel like this is future, but is it not the future? And I, I like that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like this is what people thought in the 80s what the future would look like. Yeah, with with uh, except we're, we're missing our jetpacks. I haven't seen any jetpacks yet. That's true, yet. yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting on that damn jetpack. Yeah, I like that little sanitation uh, robot. I thought, well, that will help eliminate the need to carry around those little plastic baggies, yeah. right? When you take your dog out, um, I like that. So, yeah, God super cool. Speed poop eater. <laughs> yeah. Except when they get stuck in the little, um, <laughs> like where the little trees are growing, get stuck and can't get back up on the concrete and <laughs> the sidewalk. <laughs> anyway, it was it was super super short and sweet. Um, but that was just mine. Number five was the time setting. What's your number five? All right. So my number five is basically kind of the style they did these two episodes where they kind of joined them. So it's really kind of a, you know, here's part one. Here's the prequel almost, you know, right away we get, I'm a huge Emma Stone fan. Like I've always had kind of a little crush on her for a long time Mm -hmm. and she's the first person we see in this. And so, you know, whenever you see a new show, you're kind of like, okay, I'm trying to get a gist of what this show's about. And you see Emma Stone first, you know, Annie. So you're like, oh, well, this is Annie's story. And you watch her for the first few minutes, and then she's basically gone until about the last, you know, two thirds, you know, of this move of this episode, the first episode, right? And so then you're like, oh, well, never mind. This is the Owen show, and I love then that you bounce into the second episode and you just get pretty much all of Annie's backstory. So we still we have a little bit of Owen's backstory, quite a bit of Annie's backstory, but I love that they kind of merge these together. I, I'm a big fan of like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They did this whenever there was um, Buffy and Angel. Oh, did they? Yeah, they do crossover episodes. So there'd be like you'd see you'd see from the perspective of like Buffy, and you see from the perspective of Angel. And I always loved whenever you have stuff like that happen because it's like, oh wait, that ball was rolling across the street, and but it was kicked by this person, and you don't see that until the next episode, and you're like, oh my gosh, mind blown. Right. And that's what you see here because you see her coming out, you know, yelling at the the woman giving her the uh, test that she failed. And when you see in the first episode, Owen seeing this whole thing unfold, you don't know why that is. Um, so, again, I really loved how they kind of crossed those two things over. I thought it was a really cool um, – like you can almost make that um, you know, part one movie, part two movie. Um, but they did it with these first two episodes, which I thought was really, really good. I agree. I loved how – that's – what my reasoning was behind the comment of, of, you know, I'm glad that we decided to do these two at a time because watching the first episode and then watching the second, I feel like I had a better understanding a little bit of each Mm -hmm. and how they kind of came together. And you could really see how they pieced together the second episode, learning more about Annie and her backstory and how that kind of merged into, because we get a little bit like what happened just before she and Owen met Mm -hmm. in the first episode. So it was kind of cool to kind of go back a little bit and see kind of where she's coming from a little bit. Cause I remember meeting her in this first episode and I'm kind of like, dang, this girl's got a chip on her shoulder. You know, she's, she's aggressive. She's kind of loud. She's kind of in your face. She kind of got her jaw set. You know, she's walking down the street, you know, smoking her cigarettes and, you know, I kind of like her and stuff, but, um, or, you know, parts of her anyway. And, um, so I thought, 
I like how they did that. I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah. I don't know if this will be the style where they'll bounce back and forth, kind of his story, her story type of thing, but mm-hmm. to be able to now analyze those together, I think you're just going to get so much more detail than, okay, well, we're pretty much talking about Owen just this episode. Oh, now we're just talking about Annie and you're not, you're going to probably miss a lot of the crossover that happens, but doing it this way, if they kind of keep bouncing back and forth, I think you're going to get a lot of cool stuff from it. So really excited. And hopefully this kind of keeps on as a, you know, here's story A, here's story B in each episode. Yeah, it, I, I thought it was super interesting um, how they did that. And I like that, I don't know, it just felt like it, it fulfilled each episode in, in some way. I don't know, it sounds kind of weird, but that's, that's the way I was kind of thinking of it. I like it. That's a good number five. Um, so my number four. So you, you kind of talked about it a little bit already. And in the first episode, um, you know, we, we get to meet Owen and learn a little bit about him. And I feel like we learned some things, but not very much. I think there's still probably more to learn and and we'll probably learn it as we go, as they go through that trial that they're going through and like experiencing their traumas and such. So I think we're going to learn more about that, but we got a little bit on the top. Um, and, and what I was able to decipher (laughs) from um, this first episode is Owen has a very dull life. (laughs) Um, and I I was slightly concerned for Jonah Hill who did this so brilliantly. I think Jonah Hill, I mean, he's pretty much known for his comedy, right? And he's really, really good. Yeah. For the most part, I've seen him do a lot of like this more deadpan. Um, he, uh, he showed up for an SNL thing when, uh, Franco, uh, hosted it last and it was pretty much this exact same character, kind of just a very deadpan, not very like into it, I guess. Um, yeah. Jonah Hill is one of those guys, like, I never can tell if he's got a lot of range or he just kind of shows up. Like, Franco's the same way. Like, Franco, it's like, well, it's Franco. Like, he's not that great of an actor. Yeah, he's kind of just Franco. You know what you're getting with Franco, usually. (laughs) But then you see some movies like, um, oh, shit, I can't remember what it was called. It's the one where Jonah Hill's in it with him. Um, Oh, what was that movie? I'm going to look it up real quick so it's really good. But basically the premise of the movie is Jonah Hill is a a failed – like writer for the New York Times. It's based on a true story. I think it's just called True Story. Yeah, True Story. Oh, yes, True Story. I saw that. That was really great. Yeah, and you see the range of those two in that, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Franco's actually a really good actor. Yeah, um, Franco's good. And and this this one I'm kind of curious. Like, you could see this and be like, oh, well, Jonah Hill's not that great of an actor. He's just playing himself. But I think he's making a lot of good choices with this, and I'm hoping to kind of see that expand. Did you ever see Moneyball with Brad Pitt yeah. and Jonah He's Hill? He's good in, in that as well. I thought he was really good in that, and I liked him. Um, but he, this was like so depressing to me to watch him in this role. Like I was, like he is so committed to this role, Jonah Hill, that I was actually I, I was fearing for his mental health a little <laughs> bit playing this role because I'm like, dude, you are like all in, and I'm afraid is he going to shake this off at the end of the day? <laughs> Because he was in it, and I thought he was doing a really great job. Um, so we learn he does have this uh, history of this mental illness, and we discover it in the beginning when he's doing like this mock trial that he is to be a part of because he's going to have to testify. And as we go throughout the episode, we kind of get little bits and pieces that that come together. We don't know the full story of really what happened, but we get these bits and pieces. And from what I've gathered, his brother has done something really bad. I gather it's some sort of like sexual harassment or assault type of charge. He is covering for him 
uh, you know, basically saying that he's his alibi and and is willing to lie for him. Um, it's, it's so we we learn about his history of this mental illness because he's being asked if he knows what's real, and he I like how he answers. He kind of halts a little bit and then he answers 100. percent I like that. I don't know why I liked how he answered that, but it just kind of jived with me. And but we find out that this isn't true because he ends up later after that he has a conversation with. Like his, it's his brother, but it's a version of his brother that only he sees. Yeah, it's like his, uh, <laughs> it's like secret, you know, 007. Uh, right. Because when he shows up, it's funny because it, because at this point you haven't seen Jed's or his brother. You don't know who he is. Right. Because they said something like, well, you say you talk to your brother who's not there. And so I'm like, oh, well, maybe his brother died or something like that. And his brother's got like the total douchey, you know, D-bag personality going in this because he shows up and I can't remember how they, they talk to each other. Like, oh, good. You're using code names. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, I, I'm really curious to see where this goes because this this reminds me of, um, oh, I don't, I can't think of any movie off the top of my head, but basically it's going to be like the, the devil on your shoulder, you know, that mm-hmm. only you can hear talking or maybe like Drop Dead Fred. Maybe that's, that's what it would be. Like his uh, brother's going to be like doing these inappropriate things and he's going to have to pretend that he's not there. Yeah, I I like that. And you can tell from the conversation when he jumps in his his invisible brother, his I mean his name's Jed and his brother's name is Jed. And so I'm going to call him like speaking Jed, I guess, if so we can kind of differentiate because we do meet the real Jed later on. Um or you can say he, mustache he, Jed. I think he was a mustache Jed. Yeah. That's true. He he does have a mustache in his imagination. It sounds like that, you know, with this history of mental illness that we find out that that Owen has is that there were these other missions because his brother's son was like, you, you have this mission and this time I know. So it makes you believe that there were other times mm. that maybe didn't go so well, <laughs> which, you know, did not turn out so great for Owen and why he was probably hospitalized um, for whatever reason because of these missions that his brother has told them that he needs to um, complete. And so, of course, this one, he's going to be a hero is what he's telling him. So I, I really like that whole conversation, how he tells him that he needs to look for a female agent who will give him the information that he that he needs for his mission um, and telling him that the pattern is the pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you really see that throughout the whole well, first two episodes, all of these patterns and, and things that come together and start to make sense in his brain when he keeps seeing Annie in these yep. ads and then meets her um, at the beginning of the trial when they're doing the testing or when they have to, to test for it. Well, I think that's what's cool. So like if we just watched the first episode, you would think that maybe – like you wouldn't know. It's like, well, is this whole secret identity, secret agency thing real? Because at the very end of the episode, he goes up to Annie and you know essentially says like, you know, so I can't remember all the wording, but basically like telling her, like, you're supposed to give me my mission. Mm-hmm. And because she doesn't want to get kicked out of this thing that we know now from episode two, she says, yes, of course. Yeah. And, and your and your next action is to go back to your pod. You know, when we see all this happen from the second episode, we see like she just doesn't want to get her ass kicked out of this thing because she's a drug addict. Yeah. That and yeah, I thought I found that interesting. That's something that I kind of mentioned a little bit. And in, in when we do meet her, um, later is what you thought of her um, and, and how she decided to go along with that. Cause she, I think she, she must have identified something in him cause he started to kind of have like where he, um, he kind of 
throws his head to the side and he he starts repeating himself the pattern is the pattern in mm-hmm. the, the pattern and she's looking at him like oh no he's you know he's not well and that's when she it's kind of like when you placate a drunk like when you oh, just yeah, yeah. when you're dealing with like a really drunk person that you can't reason with them or argue with them you just try to like agree with them and Lima, I know <laughs> I, we weren't gonna talk about it but I was at the bar and I was like let's do another shot and you're like no we've <laughs> None of us have been drinking but you, Sean. I just want more. Bartender. And, it, and you just ordered us orange juice shots. Orange mm-hmm. juice shots. Tiffany told me they weren't even real shots. They were orange right. juice shots. Well, I wasn't going to talk about it. <laughs> but since we're going there, I think yeah. we all probably had one too many shots. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of shots going Yeah, there's around. a few. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Like you, you're basically... It's kind of like if you're in line for like, you know, a burger and that drunk person comes up, you're like, dude, I like, I just want my burger. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, whatever. We're going to get the burgers. We're going to go our separate ways and then I'll never have to see you again. Not going to make a, you know, a scene out of this specific thing because I don't want to get kicked out of McDonald's because I'm hungry. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I, it just, it, it makes me curious, you know, his, his, brother that only he sees and tells him that he's you know a part of this mission and watch for the patterns and he's going to be contacted and all of this stuff's going to happen and he's he's at home and he gets this phone call telling him that he's going to be a part of this trial which he learned about through the ad buddy that he was doing uh, earlier in the day on the train so I wonder, I don't think we're supposed to know, but I'm curious who that person was that called him and, and got him involved in that. Where did that come from is well, my think, question. Yeah, I think a lot of that came from um, the ad that he read about the trial, the mm-hmm. drug trial. And so I think that was like legit. Like that wasn't him making up. He became part of this trial. But it was interesting during that phone call, she was going on and on about like, oh, you can help with this, help with this. And she said prostate, but he heard something else. Popcorn. Popcorn, Yeah. And he's like, wait, pop- popcorn? And she's like, prostate. And she very clearly said popcorn the first yeah, time. Yeah, she did. And so it's kind of the situation of, you know, we saw the popcorn popping on the street. So it's all this kind of, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, like what you've mentioned with Legion. It's just kind of like the seeing the insides and seeing visually how these things kind of happen to a person that has these kind of mental, uh, dis- not really disabilities, but these mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. I think it was... Yeah, I like how they're doing it so far as far as like kind of portraying mental illness and and kind of similar like like Legion because there's also some elements of, of mental illness that's dealt with in that show as well and how they try to like like visualize that mm-hmm. outside of like you can kind of understand or see what's happening in someone's brain when they're having these episodes or whatever. And I hate to call it episode. I feel like that's probably not the right word. But I feel when when Jonah Hill is or Owen in the show is experiencing something like that, like when he's in the park and he sees the popcorn popping and you kind of see everything around him kind of shakes like an earthquake or something. I feel like that's when he's having like something is happening Mm -hmm. for him it it happened in his office it happened there um when his brother was showing up and the popcorn was popping and it happened again i don't remember when but i feel like that's like that visual representation Mm. well what's scary in this situation too and it seems like we kind of got this a little bit from um uh castle rock with alzheimer's Mm -hmm. a little bit in there but you know with owen you see him in those situations and I kind of get the gist that he knows like what he's seeing isn't real, but he cannot stop seeing it. It's almost right. like a um, a lucid dream. Like you know it's not real, but you can't break out of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of feel like that's what he's seeing in the, these situations, which well, and he's off his meds. Yeah, so we see it's them not helping up him next to his uh, plant <laughs> and his little potted plant. He's flicking him across like he used to in uh, high school with a little paper football, <laughs> <laughs> shooting it across the room. Um, so I mean, maybe that I don't know what what medications that he was on and what they were helping him with, but um, maybe it was to help his compulsions to listening, you know, to, to those voices and, and to, you know, not to act on, on those things. And we heard him listening to that tape too. Did you hear the tape from like the therapist? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just voices in your head and, you know, it, it sounded like, you know, maybe that he was using that as like an alternative to, to not take, I'm not sure why he's not taking his meds. We just learned that he's not, um, so I don't know. I found I found the whole interesting story with Owen, his family life. What did you think of him going to like his uh, parents' house with his siblings and family? <laughs> this uh, this is my number three Owen's family gathering. Okay. So this is a guy who you know <laughs> has some pretty bad issues or has like some some issues. And I thought like when he showed up there, it was going to be like an AA meeting type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the the brothers doing this chorus, you know, this uh, you <laughs> acapella, know, acapella, like barbershop yeah. thing. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, well, like, oh, this is weird. And you know, he's like having these interactions with people, which I think when he when he was talking to, I guess was is his niece. At that point, I'm like, I, this has to be like a family thing because no stranger is going to just let some random guy like talk <laughs> to their kid, right? But yeah, you, know, you feel bad for him because his brothers, Jed, real Jed is a straight up dick. I mean, you know, if mm-hmm. you have a brother who has these issues and I, I kind of get the feeling that Jed kind of has a crush on, or I'm sorry, Owen has a crush on Jed's fiance. It looks yeah. like mm-hmm. because I they kind of, they kind of bat their eyes back and forth. She kind of treats them a little bit nicer, is a little bit nicer to him. Um, mm-hmm. And he even says something about like, you know, why don't you just go take all the money? We'll leave together. And I can't tell if she was actually into that. Because she's kind of like, oh, you're just fucking with me. Right. So I kind of wonder if like Owen stuck with that, if if she would have left with him. Because I know. I wondered that too. Because he's like, no, nah, I'm just, uh, just kidding. You know, got yeah. you. And that like straight deadpan. Like it's like, it's, it, it'd be awkward if you were there. Like you were, no, you were serious. <laughs> I know. But, the poor guy. I felt for him the whole time. <laughs> I yeah, really did. There's like, so you have the picture too, the painting. That yeah. Owen and uh, I can't remember what her name was, um, but they were it, standing. I think it's Olivia. Olivia. Yeah. Owen and Olivia were standing there looking at this, and like, how sad would it be to be like, well, they're the artist is going to come back and paint me in. He's just on a six month, you know, vacation or something like that. Like <laughs> your your family couldn't even get your you painted in this picture. I know it it it, it paints such a representation of of his role in in the family i mean he looks so out of place and you can tell he's the black sheep and i so relate to that um that role and how his family you know they're they're all joyful and they're they're having this dinner party and this acapella and he's just like off to the side like this is torture and like you said he goes off into the playroom with i, I i'm guessing like a niece that's what i think or something it was, yeah. yeah you know and in playing with with the dollhouse in the playroom and he seems to relate to her and be able to to communicate and relate to her way better than what he can all of the other adults and you'd think that he'd be able to relate to them i mean he looked like he'd be more in place back at the kitty table yeah. with his niece than he was at the adult table and that whole interaction just 
I, I related so much. And then when he was going to leave and, you know, it's like, it's like the whole time he's calm and he's together. He's just keeping to himself and he's staying quiet. And then he slightly raises his voice and they're like, Jesus, he off his meds. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I and relate kids, to that. <laughs> the kids are kind of crying like, oh, don't worry. Uncle Owen's just a spaz. I don't know if you caught that, but that's the thing is like, so they're sitting there and, uh, Jed was cussing in front of everybody and Owen very calmly is like, you know, maybe you shouldn't cuss in front of, you know, the children or whatever. And they keep pushing him and pushing him about this Boulder Dash. I know. It's like, you love Boulder Dash. It's like, no, I don't love Boulder Dash. I do not like playing Boulder Dash. Oh, you're not playing Boulder Dash? You love Boulder Dash. like, listen, I fucking do not like to play Boulder Dash and I'm leaving right now. I love that. I'm going to. I want this is my ringtone when he says Balderdash is bullshit. <laughs> I just want that played on a loop over and over. I died um, uh, watching that sick time, but he's clearly has fundamental issues with Balderdash. And, but it was funny. It's like his mom's like, but you love it. You need to stay in play. And his dad's like, oh, come on. You love Balderdash. His uh, brother comes by. You love Balderdash. Yeah. Like, fucking hate Balderdash. But like. You know, I, I was kind of thinking about this. Like, I kind of feel like he sees this family kind of faking this whole thing. Like, the, he the family's bullshit. Like, they're not happy together. Mm-hmm. They're just something's keeping them together, which I think is probably this trial, money, and this company that we yeah. hear about. And he's, you know, he's the guy that's like, I. It almost feels like he's the more on the higher moral ground. He's like, I, I'm not doing these things because I feel there's some kind of immorality to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he doesn't work for his dad's company. He doesn't take any of the money from the family. Right. He lost his job and yeah. he's just got this new apartment and he doesn't take money from his dad who could clearly can afford to give him money or well, a place. Yeah. And he's like, well, you could come work for the company. Your brothers do. So like the, the brothers <clears> haven't <throat> done anything on their own. They're just kind of riding the court, the, you know, the coattails of this family company. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of feel like he sees that there's some bullshit to this family. He's trying to keep himself away from it. I think this really all ties into like you can see like I'm guessing that there's multiple things that Owens went through in his childhood that mm-hmm. we're going to see at some point because as he's uh, at the dinner table, he's talking about the story where – well, Jed's talking about the story where his uh, – uh, ch- uh, Oh, that the, the bird, like the falcon yeah. or whatever ate his gerbil. Gerbil, yeah. It's like his gerbil escaped and like you know he walks into Owen's room and he sees there's a hawk, which you're like – Okay, like, was there really a hawk or, like, are they fucking with him? Like, oh, he thought he saw a hawk. But no, it's a cute story about, like, you know, he found this red bird, he this red-tailed hawk. He, you know, fixed its wing, got it back to be safe and, you know, let it go. And it was, you know, safe enough to, which somebody asked, like, well, when was that? It's like, oh, I guess when in Jed's <laughs> gerbil. <laughs> but I don't know if you caught this or not, but they're like, oh, well, what happened to the bird? You know, one of the kids asked, and was like, oh, we let it go, right, Owen? I kind of yeah. feel like that bird probably wasn't released out to nature. I'm sure Jed was a little upset about his gerbil getting eaten. So, I know. I was a little worried about the bird when he said that. I was like, I, yeah. I'm concerned for the bird. Like this, I don't remember. There's a movie I saw years back where it's very much the same dynamic where it's like an older or younger brother who's like super violent to his younger brother, like to a point where if I remember correctly in this movie, I can't remember the movie, but like the younger brother had a cat that he absolutely loved. And mm-hmm. like the older brother was in a gang or something's like kind of like torturing the cat in front of his brother, which Ugh. I kind of feel like that's what we're going to see here. Like a lot of Owen's mental instabilities, I think probably stem from, Jed and his other brothers. 
Like I'm thinking that's uh, yeah. where we're going to see the impact of it come from. Yeah, I, I I understand that Owen seems to be the one with the mental illness, but I can kind of, you know, just how how his family is. They're so waspy. Um, it's like the the fake portrayal yeah, of, exactly. you know, a family of what you see on the outside, but you don't really see what happens behind closed doors. And I feel like we're probably going to start peeling that away as we get into more episodes. But I like that. I thought that whole story was interesting. I really was um, interested by Owen and his character, his family and those dynamics and learning a little bit more about that. So that was a really long number four. I apologize for that, but yeah, oh, um, that tied into my number three a little bit. So good. Well, what's your number four? My number four is, uh, it's a really, really interesting concept. So if you, we talked about this as like, uh, you know, what the 80s thought the future would look like. And if there weren't things like Facebook back then and Twitter, of course, so I think that's <laughs> kind of why they could see this. It's this company called AdBuddy. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's, I mean, you, you think about like today, you know, there's nothing really like that today where people are going to come up and be like, oh, well, here, let me read these ads to you and we'll give you money. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of services that we all use that we're not paying for, but we're being sold things. Essentially the same thing. Like you go to Facebook, you scroll down a little bit. Hey, guess what? Here's an ad. Scroll a little bit more. Oh, here's another ad. Yep. Uh, but in this world, if you want a pack of cigarettes and the place takes ad buddy, you call up ad buddy, somebody with a briefcase comes out and reads you a few ads. And once you've met your quota for however much you spent, yeah, you get your money, you get your cigarettes, and you get, you're on your way. Um, I loved in the second episode where we see uh, Annie talking with one of them. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder if they always do uh, – I, I just kind of thought about this. Owen had a male ad buddy, and Annie had a female ad buddy. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Do you yeah. think that they pair um, sex for sex? Like a, if, a, if, if a male requests, you get a male ad buddy and vice versa. If you're a female, you get a female ad buddy rep. That could be. I, know, I didn't even uh, think about that. I'm listening to a new podcast about, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's basically like uh, pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like back in the day when a lot of these kind of started up, that's they kind of focused on females a little bit because, you know, more women were stay-at-home moms after the war and everything because they they went to work but came back. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of used them to kind of get into the houses of these women because they felt more comfortable. Could be kind of the same thing here, or it could just be a coincidence. Right. Yeah, it could be. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that, that's interesting because we've only seen, I think, the two so far, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll probably see some more as we as we go along. But um, yeah, good observation. But I like when Annie was talking to her. She's like, oh, well, we're here for your limitless, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Annie's like, oh, and I think this is very telling for what we find out later in that episode. It's like, oh, well, so if I wanted to get a bus ticket to Salt Lake City, like you would just be there with me the whole time, right? And <laughs> it does not sound fun at all. <laughs> well, the, the ad buddy was kind of excited for it. I know. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of, again, it just kind of goes into like a little bit of a, you know, comparison to today's world because there's there is a lot of stuff that we do for free that we kind of without knowing it or being advertised to right i agree and and i feel like it's just a slight representation of kind of what and i'm glad that you brought that up because it's actually my number three so it kind of blends into that um that 
there's this service that exists for people with little money that will pay for services. It'll pay for your food. Um, it paid for Owen's subway ride, things like that. And you would see, um, well, when she tried to buy that pack of cigarettes, she was denied that mm-hmm. ad Betty. The guy was like, you know, Hey, they listen, like they record those conversations. So, and then it's like, it's used against you, which reminds me so much of like today. Like if I go on Amazon and I'm yeah. just like searching for something and then later on in the day or the next day I go into Facebook. And as you mentioned, you see ads when you're on Facebook, what the hell do you see on Facebook? But yep. what you were freaking looking for on Amazon, and I'll sit there and I'll go, "What the fuck is this?" Well, it's How even you scarier know now because you look at things like so. You know, I've heard things about like, "Oh, your phone's recording certain conversations." Alexa is obviously recording certain conversations, so it's like, yeah, you know, I could really go for like I haven't had this in forever, but a brand new vacuum, and guess what? You're gonna see. <laughs> On your feed yep. for the next month, vacuums. Exactly, I know. Freaking Alexa is she? She's better now. But when I first got her, I got her. My daughter gave her to me last Christmas, and uh, she would freak the hell out of me because she'd do that weird laughing thing, and then she would like spout random facts at me. Like she started spouting out these random pig facts, like oh, pig God. fact of the day or something. And I'm just and I'm just sitting there watching TV. No, no one said Alexa. Uh, no one said anything. And sorry if I just triggered. If you're listening to your Alexa, and I just triggered her. Um, I've had that happen. Uh, and I was like, I just stared at her, like, what the hell are you doing? Um, just this really random stuff. So yeah, it totally freaks me out. But that that's kind of what it reminded me of because he's like, no, we're not doing ad betty here. They it's all a conspiracy. And you could see whenever Annie went to um I don't remember the name of that place that she went to to get that information on Patricia Lugo oh, to yeah. to blackmail her, but they also had a little sign in the window that said no ad buddy, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. It's not all places accept it, but you know, I, I feel like it, it it's a slight representation of, of what we do see today. And you know, when Owen is riding the train, everyone else, you can see that he's sitting there, like he's right next to him, he's reading his little slips of paper to Owen and he'll, he makes a point to, you know, as he's reading the ads, he keeps saying Owen's name. Everyone else is just ignoring him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how, I don't know. I think it would be just as annoying, if not more than the constant ads that we get today on our phones or websites. I mean, our, our phones and any website to go to, it's like this constant barrage of, of, of ads playing. And I mean, we all get up right during commercials. If you're watching TV or if you DVR, you're fast forwarding through commercials. I mean, what's it? It's this service is like if your web browser cookies come to life and they're following you around reading to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you get the virus yeah. and you start getting all the pop-ups. Yes. It's like, boom, 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 in your face. Uh, you know, <laughs> hot local singles. Uh, Wait, whoa, whoa, Sean, what are you looking at? <laughs> kind of pop-ups are you getting? <laughs> but, but I don't know. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I thought that it was just out of all, you know, so many of the things I'm sure we'll talk about more that we saw in this, in this episode, this was one that really kind of stood out to me that, um, was kind of interested in, um, and how do you get that job? That's it. Sounds it seems to me like the job itself, not just having to sit there and listen to someone read you the ads to pay for your bowl of noodles or your subway <laughs> ride, but you know, it, it's kind of like reminds me of like being a telemarketer a little yeah. bit of how awful that job probably. And I'm sorry if you are a telemarketer out there i mean no disrespect it cannot be the most fun job we all have crappy jobs right or some of us do or have had a crappy job so no offense if you're a telemarketer but um and and i've had that job by the way so i know um way back in the day which we will not discuss um but it seems like it it, it looks doesn't look that fun i don't know maybe for for the right personality type well those are probably like salesman type jobs too i'd imagine so you're probably based off commission 
So mm-hmm. you you know you have to sell so many ads. Um, so I can imagine like uh, it'd be oh man, it'd be kind of like Uber driving to an extent. Like oh yes, okay, I got to go here to you know pay for this guy to drive so somewhere. Now I got to try and sell him ads to go take care of a you know a recently widowed woman. Which was an ad. It was, it was a legit ad. Like, oh, you know, you should go and be the new dad for these kids, and you take all the husband's debt. Yeah, Owen's, congratulations. Yeah, Owen's like, wait a minute. Like, I thought this was volunteer. It's like, oh yeah, but think about it. You know, you get to, you know, all this heroism and oh, there's going to be a this lonely woman. Lonely and- woman. Yeah. Jeez. So you mentioned the uh, the blackmailing place. Uh, I thought it was really interesting uh, that the way they got all that data on people is they would mm-hmm. find shredded documents and have people <laughs> trying to piece them together. I know. What was that? Like that's – again, that's like very legit like, oh, well, this is how like you're going to deal with it in the you know the future in the 80s because we're never just going to have stuff on computers. Like today it's it's all computers. Like, like yeah. you very rarely have printed documents but you know in this world – yeah, you do, and you sh- don't shred them very well. Obviously, it's like shred and burn them. Right, shred and burn, or else get that cool shredder that like it's like confetti, mm. <laughs> and not the strips of paper. That that is like an old old um, like eighty shredder is like yeah. but it was just those strips of paper, and all you'd have to do is like just pull them out, and they were still kind of stuck together, and you just <laughs> tape them back together <laughs> and read exactly what was on there. I'm too paranoid. I'm that person. I have the tape. I mean, with the exception of now, because we're on Skype, but like, you know, I, I put the tape on my webcam, oh, yeah. you know, I, 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 I disable everything. I have everything turned off. I feel like I'm being creeped on just like this whole ad buddy thing. And, um, I just leave mine open. Like if the NSA is going to spy on me, they're just going to get my bare booty walking around all the time. You're waving at your FBI guy yeah. right now. Hi, FBI guy. <laughs> girl whomever you are um they know my crazy well I'll say that <laughs> well, we're gonna like give that. her more pig facts tonight <laughs> i like it that was a really good number four um did you have anything else you want to say about that no uh just again a really interesting concept curious if it's going to play any more into this uh yeah. or if it's just kind of a one-off thing but i really like the the concept i it was interesting that's for sure um I really like it. There's so much about it so far. Also, we talked about some other comparisons of other shows. We've we've mentioned Legion and a few others, but you know, we've covered season four of Black Mirror. So are you getting some Black Mirror vibes? Oh yeah, for as sure. well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this could be if they shortened it and kind of condensed it. Like this could be a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I like it. And we love Black Mirror for anyone that doesn't know. And if you do, we did cover season four. Go back and check yes. that out. We'll have to come back around. We, we It's in the works. One day, we hope to cover seasons one through three as well, um, when there's not so many awesome other shows to cover. But check it out if you haven't. Um, that's a really good number four. My number three, um, I just talked about already with Ad Betty. I think I have said pretty much all that I need to say about that. I know we you said we talked about your number three. Is, is there anything else in your number three that you want to talk about that nope. we didn't? Uh, mine was just kind of Owen's family gathering. So just, again, I think we touched on pretty much everything for that. Balderdash. Balderdash is bullshit. <laughs> Balderdash, I swear I'm going to get that. I'm going to make you do it for me, Sean. I know you got your ways. You're the, you're my tech guy. You're going <laughs> to I'm going to make you do that for me. Put that in a loop or hey, if someone else wants to send it to me, send it to our email. Um I'll love you forever, man. Um okay, so my number 2 is Annie. Uh, there's so much so much to say about her, but I don't know how much I can say. Um cuz gosh, just watch the episode, right? I mentioned earlier that I, I, I find her interesting. I, I 
she does have kind of a bit of an attitude, which I kind of get. She's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. Um, we find out she's addicted to a drug. Mm-hmm shaped like an A and she keeps looking at it and like, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, I was, you know, kind of curious as to why she kept saying that. And uh, I think we'd I, learn. I feel like I, I've never been addicted to like mm-hmm. any kind of drug or anything like that. Um, right. I haven't really known anybody that has been, but to me, I kind of feel like that's like a person who's kind of on the edge of like, they know that they're addicted to it. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of more of a, like, I'm not going to let you take, well, actually, you know what? This is very much like my, and I'm not going to downplay addictions. This is just the one I'd say I have. Um, it's Mountain Dew. Like oh. soda, like it's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people will talk about like cigarettes and things like that. And you're like, oh, just quit. And like it's, it's really tough just to quit smoking. Yes. As and, a former smoker, I can attest to that. <laughs> and I relate to a very like small extent. It's like, well, yeah, it's like if you told me, hey, stop drinking Mountain Dew, drop, stop drinking soda. And it's, it's like, well, yeah, of course that's easy. But then you, you try to do it and, you know, two weeks later you're drinking like a whole 24 pack in a day because you miss it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of like hers. Like she's basically saying it's like, no, fuck you. You're not going to control me. And what happens less than a day later, it's like, all right, you control me. I'm going to try and get more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm curious is – and I, I agree with that point. But it also made me wonder, was it like a, a – Fuck you for feeling like it was controlling her life and she was getting farther and farther in her addiction or was it a fuck you to what it was making her feel? Because we learn that this drug is what makes you like relive your traumas um, in your life. On that note, that goes into my number one, I think. And I think that this drug actually removes the bad memories. Oh, you think? And the reason I think that is because... One, she's going around looking for a lost dog that's mm-hmm. been who knows how many years. She talks about going to Salt Lake to see her sister, which from the end of this episode, the gist I got is that her sister had to have died. Yes, that's what I got. So why would she be going to Salt Lake to see her sister that is dead? I know. I was confused by that as well. I don't understand that. And it, it seemed like that dog that she was looking for was her sister's dog because mm-hmm, that was talked bit, about. Yeah. Yeah, about this dog we heard a little, and and yeah, that's what I was able to ascertain that sh- that event truly happened. That her sister died, and that this was like her her trauma, her biggest trauma that she was experiencing, and that that this drug makes her experience is losing her sister, and and why she keeps it, it seems like she keeps living that over and over again when she takes that drug. Um, so I, I wasn't quite sure exactly if it was because of that or, if, like you said, it was because she doesn't like how she's beginning to like depend on it. She wants it. She needs it. And she is becoming more addicted to it because she tells the guy that gets it to her, her, her drug dealer guy, she's like, I'm not a junkie. I'm a recreational drug user, yeah. you know, like like you are. But is she really? As um, the koala puppet like makes an appropriate comment. What the <laughs> hell was that? Oh, I loved thing? it. I just saw Happy Time Murders and that's like what I got from that is like this overly sexualized puppet. What was that? That's thing? going in the eucalyptus fund. I know. I just sat there the whole time like this is just like normal as she's arguing with, with this guy about, you know, like get me into this trial and give me this person's name. And he's like, oh, we, you know, it's impossible. You're not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to help you. And and the whole time there's this koala puppet playing chess and, and, and having this conversation and they're just like it's the most normal thing in the world. I'm just sitting here going, what the fuck is happening right now? 
Love it. This is one like you don't like drop acid before you watch it or smoke too much weed because you'd be like, oh, I am tripping balls right now. I I feel like if you were on acid, you would probably understand it a little bit more. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's the trick to watching uh, shows like this is it it, it gives you that deeper meaning or, you know, something from it. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, I... So many things from her story I thought was super interesting. We get this backstory and we, we kind of see some insight of what happens before she meets Owen. And we she goes and visits her dad. What did you think about when she visits her dad? He's living in this like pod in his backyard. And did you see what it was called? It was called a void. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a name that. on the side of it. I thought that well, was I like hilarious. There's like a little like ticker that said, his, I guess his name's Hank. Because it said yeah. Hank as it went across. Yes. <laughs> So if you just want to shut down, you just, you know, hook up your garden hoses and hang out Yeah, there's your water supply. How do you go to the bathroom? No, never mind. I don't want to know how you go to the bathroom. That's probably like why there were two garden hoses. Maybe there was an intake and an outtake or something. I don't know. I don't want to know. Jesus, just too much. I don't want to think about that kind of stuff. But it seems like he does come out because she's like, well, will you promise me that you'll eat when you come out? And, you know, she got him some Apple Jacks. So it sounds like he doesn't maybe, like maybe that's just his place to, I guess, avoid um, avoid uh, his life, avoid his environment. I don't know. Um, but I just, I thought that was, that was kind of interesting. So she gets that money so she can go. And then she decides, I guess she, you know, she goes to that train station and she sees uh, when she's looking up at the, I can't remember what they call it. It's like when you're at the airport and you see all the, 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 the departures and arrivals for the buses and it all starts to form that A, which is the shape oh, of that yeah. drug that she takes, which is that, that A, um, we don't know the name of it or anything about it yet. And she decides to head back home and, and try to ob- ob- obtain this drug again, which, you know, we, we keep talking so much about patterns. There's, you know, Owen's brother, Jed keeps telling him, you know, the pattern's a pattern and watch for the patterns and you're here because of the pattern. She's, I think also kind of getting some of these patterns. I mean, she was seeing the same thing that was happening and I was kind of confused as to why, when we do learn that this whole thing about Salt Lake and visiting her sister, when clearly it seems like her sister's dead, uh, why she was even thinking about getting, you know, bus ticket to head there. So I don't know, maybe that will make more sense as we, as we move along. But I thought, um, thought that was interesting. Um, and I wanted to mention the gun in the safe. We know that's going to come back around, right? Because that's kind of the rule in, in the shows. Oh, if you, yeah. if you see a gun, Which, it's going to play a part later. Because they checked all their stuff. So I wonder how she would have snuck it into the, uh, the place if they checked all of her stuff. But mm-hmm. again, yeah. I don't know that she took it because it seemed like she was staring at it. It went back to her face, Mm. went back to the gun, and then it seemed like I thought she closed it. But maybe she did take it. We just didn't see it. Um, But I feel like it's it's going to, you know, if if we see it, it's it's a rule in in TV. You're it's going to come up again. Mm. So I feel like that was worth mentioning. It's been mentioned twice when Owen first talks to her. She says, "I have a gun. I'll shoot your face off." (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then yeah, we see it in the second episode. She's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. She's very in your face and very aggressive. But I, I, you know, I don't know. There's just something about her. I kind of like her in a way. Um, so I don't know. What are your impressions of her? What do you think? I, uh, I think again, like I think getting to see the second episode really helped kind of show what her character is, where the first episode didn't as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps lay out Owen as well because you know essentially Owen is having some mental breakdowns, and Annie is just a drug addict at this point. Whereas in mm-hmm. the first episode, if you just watch it, you wouldn't know if Annie was a drug addict or what she was. You'd think she's probably some kind of secret agent or, 
you know, is this whole thing a make believe thing for Owen? Um, but she's obviously got a lot of trauma. Um, and you know, my number one, I kind of jump into it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I kind of almost feel like this might be like, uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind type thing Yeah, where this drug removes those bad memories and the B Mm -hmm. and the C of this kind of build off of that to make you a better person. And so that's why, like, I think she thinks about going to Salt Lake city because the whole memory of her sister dying is gone. So maybe she relives it every time, but it's been removed from her, her consciousness. So she thinks her sister's alive in Salt Lake City. So that's why she was going to go there. Um, I, I, I won't know that, I guess, until later in the episode, but or later in the episodes. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good laid out things in this, too, because, you know, we, like you said, we saw the gun. There's also a point where we had a very close up to her back and we see mm-hmm. these market like these scars and right. uh, you know I made note of that I'm like well what the heck are these scars about and then the I whole, think they're from the car accident yeah yeah they're from the car yeah. accident which we see at the end of this episode mm-hmm. um, so I'm really interested in both these characters again I hope I think it, it'd be cool if they kind of did like this A-B storyline throughout so you kind of see it from his perspective and her perspective um, which I think would be really really cool I'm guessing now their, their timelines are probably going to be on the same uh, spectrum, so it's all going to just be one timeline, but uh, be cool kind of, kind of idea if they went back and forth. I agree. Well, and I find I don't know. I was really interested in that whole exchange between her and her sister when they were in the hotel, and you know they that conversation that she was having with her sister, um, and it. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting how she behaved towards her sister when her sister was trying to be open with her and be real about her feelings about moving uh, so far away. I guess they both, you know, lived in New York and her sister's moving to Salt Lake because her fiance has been transferred there for his job. And she's trying to talk to her sister about being really sad about that. And, you know, and she's telling her, she's like, you know how I feel about it. And this is, this is true. This is real. Is that, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here, but like, she's like, I'm okay with that because then I don't have to worry about calling you. I don't have yeah. to pretend like I want to, you know, spend time with you. And her sister just kind of reads it as bullshit. She's kind of like, I'm going to miss you too, Annie. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious about that conversation and what the real Annie is like, because when they're doing that test, to be a part of the trial, to qualify, to be a participant in the trial. Owen gets in because of his defense mechanisms. You know, Mm -hmm. they're having those pictures that slide by during that test. And that test, that testing lady, I don't, I don't know that we learned her name, but when she, she's like, and for the final question, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask you this question. And and, and she just stares at them and Owen just kind of just keeps staring at her. And he's like, are are you going to ask, ask me now? And, (laughs) then that little light turns green and he qualifies because of his defense mechanisms. Uh, Annie seems to fail because she says she has none. She's like, I don't have any defense mechanisms. Um, And so I'm, I'm looking it up and I, it says defense mechanisms are psychological strategies that are unconsciously used to protect a person from anxiety arising from unacceptable thoughts or feelings. We use defense mechanisms to protect ourselves from feelings of anxiety or guilt, which arise because we feel threatened or because our ID or super ego becomes too demanding. They are not under our conscious control and are non-voluntaristic. So clearly she says that she doesn't have any and Owen has them in abundance is, is my guess. So I'm wondering, I'm curious how that's going to play a part in, in how we see them go through these, this, this trial and with this experiment that they're going through taking these drugs. I'm curious to see what we get with Owen because we got to see Annie's 
and I'm curious what we'll what we'll see from Owen and how all that plays a part and how how those are going to meld. Um, mm. well, that's so, interesting because like the, Robert, who is the doctor on one of these, who has a, a drug issue on his own, looks like he was doing crack. Um, you know, there's lots of talks with like this whole group <laughs> of like, oh, well, we can't, pipe. yeah. It's like we, we, you know, we can't let that, we can't let it happen again, kind of thing. Like we can't let the bad stuff end up happening. So it sounds like they've had mm-hmm. experiments that have went really, really bad. Yeah, they they keep mentioning suicides. Yeah, that keep keep happening. So that sounds really scary. And they're they, those two doctors are really cracking me up. And Doctor. Uh, Fujito, yeah, is that there's her Dr. Fujito, and then I know there's the Dr. Roberts. Yeah, she's she's got the big glasses and those bangs happening. She's mm. she's I like her. She was interesting, but she's like you know, um, you know, we can't fuck this up, and and <laughs> we gotta we gotta ease them into this, and um, I like I like that whole thing, but it was very interesting. Um, I'm interested to learn more about all of that for sure. Um, kind of veering off of my main subject there. So that was my number two. Did you already talk about your number two yeah. a little bit? My okay. Two. Uh, and my number one was kind of just, I think that they're kind of losing their memories on this. Okay. Um, so I think if we're just queued up for your number one. Okay. So my number one, I think just in general, what I'm learning so far in, in the first two episodes is that this so far to me, and I could be totally wrong because I'm only basing it on the first two episodes. We're not binging. We're only watching two at a time is connections. So for me, uh, we, we were getting a lot of talk about connections in the show. Even in the very beginning, we get the, um, the narration. Um, it says it begins like this two billion years ago an amoeba. Wait, let's back up. I've skipped too many connections out of nothing in an instant, everything in an infinite, infinite cosmic orgy of matter and energy rubbing, bumping and grinding together. There would be no galaxies, no suns, no planets, no life without collisions of heavenly bodies, camaraderie, communion, family, friendship, love, and what have you We're lost without connection. So we have the whole connection with the galaxy and how it began and how it's all connected. Then we have the connection with Owen and Annie. And it made me question what we see, at least in the first two episodes, is this the first time that they've met? Is that really the first time? Good point. Um, Also, Annie's connection with her sister. That was something that really stood out for me in the second episode. And then just connections in general, when they talk about how people crave connections with other people, like people don't want to be alone. They want to have a connection. We see all of these services that are offered. We we, we saw AdBuddy, but we learned about how Owen was going to volunteer to be a stand-in husband uh, with the service for widows. And then the, the friend proxy. Oh, yeah. And even in a way, the ad buddy is kind of like a connection with a person. If you're really, really kind of desperate and lonely, you can just call up an ad buddy. And even though it's kind of, you know, it seems kind of annoying, you're still kind of having this connection with this person. You know, this person's reading to you kind of, you can kind of talk to that person. You can have, you can kind of see where both ad buddies kind of broke from reading the ads and started like talking to them. Like the the guy on the train started talking to Owen, you know, about that, about that one service. And then the, uh, you know, the, the girl talking to Annie at the the soup or noodle place was you know they were talking about she's like well that sounds like fun you know kind of breaking out of their uh their role of reading these ads so it's i think it just shows that craving that all humans have for some type of connection and you know what i found to be interesting is um 
so much of this show really kind of reflects a lot of the Japanese culture and things that truly exist because I found out that that stand-in husband service truly exists in Japan. Oh, really? It's a real thing. It's a real service. Yeah. And I've seen that also. I've seen also, it might be also here in the U.S., but I think I've heard about it more in places like Japan where they have the services where like people will just come and cuddle you. I've, I've heard of that, yeah. Have you heard of that where you, you could just like spoon and cuddle? They're like, there's no like sex involved or anything mm. like that. But it's just like, an, an, it's, it, it is, it is, I guess, in a, a type of intimacy, but it's it's more of just a comfort thing. Someone yeah. just to kind of cuddle with you while you're, while you're lying down or napping like a nap buddy or yeah, something. I feel like in this world, like that's, there's no way like that's not going to get awkward. <laughs> I guess. I guess it could yeah. be. Like if, I'm not if, gonna dive you know, into that one. <laughs> as a guy, if you're ordering the cuddling, or if you're a girl ordering the cuddling, I mean, you fall asleep, things happen, and yeah, and all of a sudden there's not that kind of service. <laughs> I can't. I'm being very quiet because I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard in my faces. I know already. <laughs> Sorry. It's- Oh my God, it's too hot for this. <clears throat> yeah, but I just thought that that for me is what I'm picking up on it so far, and that that's kind of the base of what of what this show is is about, or at least a big part of what this show is about, or what they're trying to communicate, and that is um, connections and how all things are connected, or the human connections and and real connections with people, and the craving of those connections um, that we have. So, kind of a short number one, but just an observation that I wanted to kind of make at the top of um, our start of this show. <clears throat> so that's my number one. Did you have? Any notes or anything? Uh, oh, man, there's so many notes. Um, I know. So I thought it was interesting they called the computer the GRTA, uh, which yeah. is uh, it's like a super AI computer. We see Dr. Robert talking to it, like in a mm-hmm. very um, sensual connection on a higher level type of relationship. Yes. Uh, we talked about the puppet, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, when uh when she, when Annie's talking to the guy, she says something like, "You know, why shouldn't I take a drug?" And the puppet's like, "You should, honey." I wrote that down because I thought that was funny. Um, the the one thing about Annie I thought was interesting is that you know when she gets to to blackmail, uh, what was her name? Um, Patricia Lugo. Yeah, Lugo. Yeah. It's she kind of does it in a way where she's like, "Well, I don't really want to like, you know, I don't want to threaten her kid. I don't want to threaten her life. I just want to like." you know, know these things. And Mm -hmm. she almost feels guilty about it when she does the, the friend meetup. And she's like, you know, I know so much about you. I'm a black million. I'll fuck up your life. Like instant. She's like, I'm sorry. Like I'm not this kind of person. Yeah. But when she gets so close to getting in there for her stuff, she instantly goes right to it. She's like, you know, your daughter, you know, I know where she is. Here's her address. Here's this, that she gets in. And, you know, even, even then she's not like nice about it afterwards. She's basically gotten this tag. She's just kind of like, Oh, well, your daughter's safe for now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was inter- interesting as well that she jumped to that because she seemed very like, oh, my gosh, this is not who I am when they were at the at the bonsai uh, place. And all those kids are like looking like, what the hell is wrong <laughs> with this lady having this meltdown here? Um, but then she does go to that when when she's when they're there um, and she fails that trial. And, you know, it's like, well, why did she jump back to that again? Maybe it's just the junkie in her. 
Uh, and then the last one I have is uh, so the weird dude that's talking to Owen in episode one. Uh, they're going through his bag, and then we find out that condoms are contraband. <laughs> so yes. there is no partying in these pods. They keep the stuff PG, apparently. So, yeah, which is another which. I mean, it looks like the, a, a lot of the company is uh, Japanese run or something or, or has a lot of the elements of the Japanese culture because these pods are very reminiscent of that. They have mm. those types of like pods in Japan. The, uh, Owen's apartment, how it was like this tiny yeah. little, there are like, from what I'm reading, you know, real places like that. These are like real well, not that this in the show was real, but there are real places like that, that people are in these really small spaces. And that's kind of how, because of like overpopulation and cost of living, things like that. Um, When he explains like his apartment's super expensive and there wasn't much to it. It was like a little bitty kitchen area and then your bed and your living room was all one thing. Exactly. And then he's got these friggin' flashing lights right outside of his window, like a cheap motel, um, you know, flashing right at him. It's just so like in your face. And I think it's just like this constant pull. It's really just good representation, I think, of of Owen and his life with with his environment Mm. and stuff. But um, yeah, I liked I liked all that. I thought that was very interesting. And then when they told them like the order orderlies were like, um, if you what get out of your pods or disobey any of these rules. It'll be a uh, dis- dishonor uh, oh, yeah, like yeah. to you and, and everything else. That's a very like Japanese type of like mantra with, with like the dishonor to your family and such. Um, so I thought that was interesting as well. They bow to the computer. They bow to Goethe. I'm going to call her Goethe <laughs> <laughs> because that's what, <laughs> to me when you look at it, that's like what I heard the GRTA, that supercomputers Goethe. Um, so I also did you have more notes? I don't nope, want to jump into kind of ties in all my notes. So if, yeah, you okay. go ahead with yours if you're ready to go. I really liked. I, I did like the whole video that we got at the like towards the end before we got to Annie's trauma, where they're explaining. We got Doctor Mantle Ray, which is played by Justin Thoreau, whom I just love. I think he's so cool. He plays so many interesting characters that I really enjoy uh, seeing him. And he's he's in this video with the other doctor that we saw who was smoking the crack. I, 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 sh- I really need to write their names down, but I did not write them down in this one. Um, and they're, they're in this little ad explaining you know the pills so there's three pills and we find out that the a pill is in the diagnose the diagnostic stage it seeks out your core traumas and pulls them to the surface we call it agonia he says through your memories we'll see the worst moments of your life and then the other doctor says don't worry it's safe um, <laughs> and talks about how using that they will then create an air arborization map that the Goethe will use as a guide for pills B and C. Pill B is for behavioral time to show your blind spots. Unfortunately, the brain is remarkably skilled at protecting itself. Um, With the second pill, you can identify self-defense mechanisms, blind spots, and the mazes and walls that your minds create to hide yourself from you. And then it's time for confrontation, pill C, confrexia. Um, which will bring a confrontation and acceptance. Once you've identified your core traumas and mapped your biopsychosocial symptoms, the Garden Mega Computer remaps a more efficient system custom tailored to you, forging healthier pathways with powerful non-surgical microwave technologies. It sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like, oh, if we can like 
bring up all the bad shit that's happened to us in our lives, all this bad trauma that has made us a freaking hot mess that we are that can't function. And we have all these self-defense mechanisms that kind of make us a mess in life without being able to cope in a healthy way with the things that have happened to us um, and bring those to the surface and then learn how to deal with them. Um, I It sounds dreamy, but I have a feeling it's probably not going to be um, in this scenario. So that was, I thought was interesting. I love that whole video because then Justin Thoreau there towards the end, he's wearing this wig. I know that's not his real hair, but he gives, does that little hair flip. Yeah. Did you catch this little? I love that. I just want to watch this on repeat. I love this whole video. And then he tries to stick the pen. Yeah, he's holding the-, <laughs> the pen the whole time and he tries to stick the pen in his pocket and it just, he keeps missing. The uh, pen it was such like a bad 80s, like this is the the show you're watching at home or you're watching like at school kind of thing. I know. I, I just, I got such a treat out of it. Like I said, he, he just, he does it so well. And this odd character that I'm sure we're going to get to know a little bit more. Um, I wanted to bring up as a note. So Owen's last name is Milgram. That's his family name. And we name that we see on that building. We don't know what his family does. We know his family has money um, clearly. And they own this, this business or whatever. I don't know that it was clearly made what they did, but um I think that it's a shout out to the Milgram experiment. Have you ever heard of the Milgram experiment? Uh, Maybe. So the Milgram experiment on obedience to authority figures was a series of social psychology experiments conducted by Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram. Uh, What they did was they measured the willingness of study participants, men from a diverse range of occupations with varying levels of education to obey an authority figure who instructed them to perform acts conflicting with their personal conscience. Participants were led to believe that they were assisting an unrelated experiment in which they had to administer electric shock to a learner these fake electric shots shocks gradually increased the levels that would have been fatal had they been real the experiment found unexpectedly that a very high proportion of men would fully obey the instructions albeit reluctantly and it had to had to do with like you know when they talk about and i'm not going to go into it too much because i don't have it written down but whenever they had like the after the World War Two and a mm. lot of the the Nazis and the people that said they were just following orders, they were just following orders and they didn't feel like that they should be punished. And they were using like this experiment as like a part of that to try to understand why why that was happening. Um, so go read up on the Milgram experiment. I got that from from Wiki. So it's out there and you can get into more detail about it, but I'm not going to go into it here. But I thought it was worth mentioning because it, it very clearly, the way you keep seeing the name Milgram, mm-hmm. Milgram keeps coming up and that this was like a direct correlation to that. That's a really um, good catch because that might have like some subtle hints throughout, kind of like slow, slightly tying to it, but not yeah. like in your face. Yeah. One more thing I'm going to mention is we we were talking about AdBuddy and all of these hire for services, the stand-in husband for the widows that truly exists in Japan. This in the friend proxies, um, you know, if you don't have friends or have trouble making friends, they you can hey kind of rent a friend. Um, this there's a real service called TaskRabbit. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? Um, so TaskRabbit is an online and mobile marketplace. It matches freelance labor with local demand, allowing consumers to find immediate help with everyday tasks, including cleaning, moving, delivery, and handyman work. It was founded in 2008 uh, by a woman named Leah Busk. Um, she initially... 
uh, founded TaskRabbit when she had no time to buy dog food, basing it oh, on the idea of neighbors helping neighbors. And it's a big company. It's worth a lot. I think Ikea bought it out or something. I didn't read too much about it, but I saw something about Ikea like bought them out because they were using TaskRabbit for people to help put together Ikea <laughs> products. <laughs> Because, you know, when you buy something from Ikea, you uh, need to help you put it together. Don't even go to buy it. Like, if you have to go and buy those piece by piece, oh, that's that'll test your marriage. You know, I have heard that the ultimate trial of any relationship, um, are you going to last, is take a trip to Ikea. Yeah. That is the make or break moment. So there you have it, folks. Um, if you want to test it out, is this for real? Are we going to be in it for the long haul? Go to Ikea for the day and find out. Um, anyway, that's all my notes that I had for the show. Nice. Yeah, so I, I'm really digging the show, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad we picked it. So. Yeah, I know. Good choice. Good choice. You get all the credit for that one. I'm, I'm totally digging it. Um, so that leads us into the news. I'm light on news this week because since this is a Netflix show, so much of the news out there is spoilery they talk entirely about the entire season and and kind of what happens next so i'm hoping to as we go along to have a little bit more content um, as we move along but i myself do not want to get spoiled and i certainly don't want to spoil you folks but i thought as part of the news um in place of i would mention a little bit about the folks behind the show um that i thought was interesting so the 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 showrunners and writer of the show uh the first one, Carrie Joji uh, Fukunaga, is an American director, writer, film producer, and cinematographer. So this dude has some real cred here. He was director and executive producer of the first season of the HBO series True Detective. Um, he won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series. He um, also received acclaim for the 2015 war drama Beasts of No Nation. Uh, he was writer, director, producer, and cinematographer. And just recently in news that came out last week, he was named as the director of the untitled 25th James Bond film set for release in 2020. Oh, nice. And, Sean, this is for you, buddy. He was a screenwriter for the new It. Oh, that was really, sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, so it was the one that he actually got the – because I know there was another writer before. Was he the one before? <clears throat> well, he was, I think, supposed to direct it. Okay. But yeah, he, yeah. he has he has the credit as screenwriter. So okay. I think that he was supposed to direct – from what I read, and like I said, I was trying not to read too much because every time I started reading something, I was starting to venture into spoiler spoiler territory for Maniac. Um, from what I read, he does – because on IMDb, he is credited as screenwriter for okay. it. And they asked him if he was supposed to – he's like, well, weren't you supposed to direct as well? But you let – but that he left because of creative differences, I guess. Um, so he didn't direct it, but he is credited with, with the screenwriting. And I guess okay. it took him years. They said that this was like a three to five year project or something. Yeah. I read some stuff about when uh, it must've been him then that it kind of sounded like, I think he was wanting to go like a really, really dark direction with it. Mm-hmm. And the studio wasn't really comfortable with that. So that's interesting. Well, wasn't it already kind of dark? I mean, it is, pretty scary how much more darker could it have gotten really i wonder i think it was a it was a lot less stand by me and probably more (laughs) something else because it was kind of dark and twisty i know it scared the hell out of me although the relationship i guess the lighter element to for me anyway personally and sorry if no one has seen it so sorry if this is a little i don't think it's too spoiler but like the relationship with the kids oh yeah, yeah um all the kids together that was maybe 
part of the lightheartedness of that kind of balanced out the really scary horror, probably made it even more scary um, when you thought of, of the kids. But I just thought that that was interesting. This uh, Carrie Fukunaga, he's quite creative um, and has quite a, a distinctive eye uh, for for his art. And I, I've just found all of that truly interesting. I thought this dude's got some really great cred behind him. And I thought it was worth mentioning. And whenever I saw he was a screenwriter for it, I knew you would dig it. Um, uh, and then Patrick Somerville, who's a co-executive producer on here as well. He was a writer on The Leftovers from 2015 to 2017. Did you ever watch The Leftovers on HBO? No, I didn't. Is it... What's it about? I, well, I don't have a summarization of it here, so I'm just going to direct you to go to IMDb or something and get a quick summarization of it. But it was um, also kind of trippy and just kind of out there, I think, and kind of left people with, uh, or at least like with the first season, kind of like what the hell is kind of going on here. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about it because I didn't watch it, although I've been told I should watch it. Um and then Justin Throw was also on the leftovers as well. So I thought that was a good tie in as well. But I just I wanted to mention those two because I think that that this pairing of the two is gonna lead us down quite a trip through the remainder of the season. So anyway, that's my pseudo news <laughs> for the week. So <laughs> with that, that leads us to letters from the supercomputer I'm calling her Goethe, our <laughs> listener feedback. All right, so this one comes from Doug Fix. So watch both episodes yesterday. Interesting choice. Not sure what to think yet. Emma Stone is her usual awesome, and her backstory is more compelling than Jonah Hill's. Not sure what I feel about his portrayal. The look is way cool, like it could be in the near future, but with archaic technology. The green screen computer monitors and the cheesy-looking master computer is a nifty touch. Justin Thoreau's character in the informational video was a gem. Intrigued as always, I will continue to watch. Great. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And we're happy to have you along for the ride, Doug. I hope other people are digging it as well. Give it a chance, people. Okay. And with that, we also have a voicemail this week from Steve Brown. I'm so confused. Like, what's real? What's not? What's... (laughs) uh, Why do you keep picking these shows that like <laughs> bend reality and just pick a regular show like NCIS or like no, Law and Order. No. no, don't do that. <laughs> Stay with the shows that explode my mind because that's what I love. And I don't know what to say from the the stand of I don't know what timeline they're in. I don't know what technology is. They've got Commodore 64 computers with dot matrix printers and <laughs> mechanical sanitation dogs running around, koala bear chess players. <laughs> I don't – I'm – my brain is melting. Uh, hopefully you can make some sense of this for me and I'm just – but I'm hooked. I'm so hooked. Uh, Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, excellent, excellent. Uh, I wanted to binge this whole thing. I wanted to stay up all night drinking and watching this show, and I didn't because we're only watching two episodes a week. But (laughs) that means it's only five weeks, so we're good. Anyway, can't wait to hear what you guys think. Bye. Oh, 
Yeah, we we like to torture you guys, Steve. We like to pick the funky, weird, mind-bending, twisty shows. We got to challenge ourselves, right? Challenge right. ourselves. If it's too straightforward, it's just going to be like, oh, it was the butler in the kitchen with the candlestick. Yeah. And we're done after episode one. I know. I can't I can't claim to make a lot of sense of the show. We're only on the first two episodes. I don't think we're supposed to really know a whole lot of anything yet. So I don't know if we're going to be very helpful in helping people figure out what's happening. Hopefully as, as we go along. But um, I'm glad. I'm glad he's addicted. I think it's probably kind of good. It's it's. I know it's on Netflix. It was all released at once. I know that um, Carrie Fukunaga, uh, when he was talking to Emma Stone, he, he got Emma Stone on board before he got Jonah Hill. And they advocated they went to netflix and was going to talk to the ceo and talk to them about not releasing it uh, like all at once yeah they wanted to do like a week by week because they felt that this show was maybe better off you know kind of like with castle rock we talked about when we because that was the show that we just did for anyone that doesn't know go watch that damn show already that was really great and fun um and listen to me and Sean, of course, uh, podcast about it. Um, but that's what I really appreciated about that and other shows like Lost and other shows that come out week by week that you are kind of forced to take that week to reflect and ponder and kind of think about it and how it all ties together and what this means and what that means and these little nuances and stuff. So um, they had talked. Uh, now they didn't um, because they thought, well, people can just kind of decide for themselves. It's Netflix. Yeah. You can watch all of them. You can watch a couple at a time. You can kind of do it as you want. But I think it's, you know, um, I, I thought that was interesting that they themselves thought it should have been, you know, released on a weekly basis, which I don't think Netflix has ever done. Right. I, I mean, so. usually yeah, when a new show, it's out I'm there with the Castle Rock model where they do that. If that kind of like keeps the buzz alive longer. Because mm-hmm. I know with some of these shows, they come out for like a week or two. There's a lot of buzz, but then it kind of dies out. And it kind of maybe like ripples. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some people kind of rediscover it or they hear about it. Um, but you'd think the weekly kind of release kind of keeps that. And, and it helps you digest it, too. So, like, you see the episode right. and you're not instantly going to episode two. You kind of sit back, digest a little bit, kind of think about it, and then jump into the next episode. Right. Well, and, you know, I... People kind of complain. I hear, I I don't know that I've really thought of it so much, but people, I hear whispers, you know, people kind of complaining about shows on Netflix, that it's kind of a habit of the streaming service and maybe at Hulu too. I'm not sure that, you know, they come out and then they kind of lag in the middle and then they kind of pack it all there at the end and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, you know, what what you kind of hear about a little bit. So I don't know if maybe that's why they kind of release them when they do, but I don't know. I, I really like, you know, and I feel like we're getting enough because we're doing two episodes a week with this one. So I feel like we're kind of getting enough um, satisfaction where we're not ready to just jump into that next one yet. We've we've had two. We can kind of process those two, sit on them until we watch the next two. So I kind of like that. But that was really great feedback. I thank you both so much for leaving feedback. I hope we get some more contributions as people jump on and have time to watch Um, because it was just released um, today's uh, Tuesday. It was just released on Friday, Maniac was. So hopefully people have a chance to jump on that bandwagon, but thank you so much for your feedback. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks everybody. All right. So next week we'll be covering episodes three and four from Maniac titled having a day and fur by Sebastian. Um, I'm going to refrain from reading the, uh, um, episode notes because since we're doing two, I don't want to read the second episode and maybe spoil anything. So we'll kind of just mm-hmm. keep to the titles for now. 
sounds good to me. I like it. So yeah, join us next week for episodes three and four. And we are really excited for you to join the trial with us until they pass out the drugs. You can follow us on Twitter at strange Tcast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger Tcast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. So if you want to see Rima and I, our first picture together <laughs> ever, go Woo! to those places and you'll see it. Right. Not Photoshopped at all. <laughs> it is the real deal with real drinks in our hand. Um, that was super fun. Uh, and you can also email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on at the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like A Legion at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. There are a lot of great podcasts out there on podcastica. What a great family to be a part of. And Speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Yeah, and just to throw it out there, if you are going to be in Chicago on November 27th, uh, we'll be doing a live show at the Beat Kitchen. So check that out. Tickets are available now. That is so amazing. I'm so excited for you guys. It's going to be a good time. Is that going to be outside? No, it's inside. It's like a okay. little uh, concert hall type thing. Okay. So it's like 150 seats. So tickets are pretty limited. Okay, that's good. I was worried a little bit when you told me about that. I thought, oh my God, I hope that's not outside because freaking Chicago in yeah, November. November cold. No, like, thank you. speaking the language of romance. Make for a very interesting show for you and Rich. <laughs> but that's super awesome. Congratulations to you guys. Uh, yeah, check that out, guys. Um, and get some tickets and go see Sean and Rich because they'll crack your shit up. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 57, The Chosen One and Windmills. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Rita Melvin is strange indeed.